2: Dude. The wicked picket kicking things off. BJ, how you been?
4: You know, I've been doing really great. Pretty excited about opportunities that we have in the community to make a difference and make a change. And I'm I'm really excited because I get a chance to see you. And a year ago, you said you were gonna go out on street patrol with me, and I'm I so will. glad that I'm I got glad you. I didn't. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> but
3: now I'll do it.
4: Okay. Well I I'm ready for you to do it.
3: Wow.
5: Everything's
2: going wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, what happened? I just sneezed and my headphones fell off.
2: DJ, <laughs> um, welcome to the family. Welcome to the professional as as to the circus. Family. It, it's,
4: it's a family affair. <laughs> and that's what we do best is work with families, so we're excited.
2: <laughs> well, let me say this, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody who's a, you know, a long time listening to the show knows that I, I grew up in North Minneapolis. I love North Minneapolis. Catherine and I live right on the border between where she grew up and where I grew up. The house is right in the middle of that. And Both I still spend a lot of time. Yeah, they were kind of different neighborhoods. <laughs> yes. Western Golden Valley and North Minneapolis, a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, yes. It all works out. But I do, I talk all the time about how much I love North Minneapolis, love the people in North Minneapolis. And, and uh, so, yeah, I would love to go out. The timing. So, what what happened here just recently is an odd
4: deal. Yeah, it, it was an odd deal. And I think that. Um... You know, many times people make mistakes in their lives and do some things yep. that they shouldn't do, and they work for organizations and companies that uh, have to deal with that. Uh, unfortunately, though, this happened when they weren't on the clock, they weren't working, Good. and, Good. and somebody decided that it should be public, but uh, it shouldn't have went public at all. It was a, no, it was, I agree with that. And, and so um, we, we, we we pride ourselves on helping people that no one else wants to help. Mm-hmm. that no one else wants to give a chance, you know, and, and, and many times it saves their lives. One of those gentlemen, when we met him, we was sleeping in his car, and he he was going to make a decision between robbing people or maybe taking his own life. And so uh-huh. we, we gave him hope and support. And so he worked for two years with us and did well, and and something happened. And the other yeah. gentleman was yep. on high-intensive probation. He had been with us for five months, and we were— we were concerned about his, you know, what was going on with him. Also was his probation officer. And so, uh, but we believed in giving people a chance. Well,
2: and I'll tell you something, VJ. About five years ago, I'm on the air. I'm live on the air. KQRS. Uh, are
4: you going to settle in, Alex, I
2: at can't, all? This or?
0: microphone is just not... Why don't
2: you use a stand microphone? You're a disaster.
0: just not.
2: There you go. gonna be, uh, I well, think we're going to be replacing <laughs> the lavaliers in the coming And it's like, if you
0: touch the cord, it You'll be problems. getting
2: stand mic. Anyway, so uh, I go on the air, and the all night guy is standing right behind me. And the first story that comes up, because I don't pre-read any news at all. When it comes up, I want to read it fresh and have a real reaction to it, right? right. So I'm reading a story about a guy who's been uh, uh, threatening to expose women because he has naked pictures of them, and he is uh, about to be arrested. As soon as they find the guy, he's going to get arrested. And it's just, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to basically hold people up for money yeah. by saying, I got pictures of your wife naked and blah, 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 blah. So as I'm reading it, the picture of the guy comes up. It's the guy standing right behind me. I'm not kidding what? you. Oh, It was unbelievable. Oh you didn't know about that? No. Yeah, that, he's standing right behind me. And it's like, well, gosh, I, uh, gee. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and uh, they came and arrested him. Uh, Right then. So it happens. I understand exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. It was like that story Moon told where his first
6: job in the radio was 18 and he got, he was like selling pot in Nebraska and he, there was a warrant out for his arrest. So the copywriter wrote the story (laughs) and he goes, and a related story. And they won't tell you what his actual name is. um, Warrant out for his arrest. And this is reporting. Uh, The owner of the station drove right down and fired him.
1: (laughs)
2: <laughs> it was arrested nice. too, wasn't yeah, it? that's right. And that'll, he got arrested too. That don't happen. So, so, VJ, there's nothing new. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, when you, and that's one another thing that people need to understand is when you do reach out and try to help people, mm-hmm. some people cannot help themselves, or they at this particular moment they can't help themselves. So, anybody making that that, that call that it's oh, so mad dad's is off the rails and blah blah, that's not the situation at all. How long you been doing it now?
4: VJ? We've been doing it 20 years. We started in. Uh, October the 3rd of 1998 and we're really excited. We, we came from just being a, a local organization to eventually having a chapter that was so amazing that we became the national headquarters for chapters across the country in Jacksonville Florida, Buffalo, New York Iowa and other states and so we're, we're a model for other states and I think we're very proud to have that happen I want to say that uh, our mayor our chief of police and, and county commissioners and other uh, leaders in the community, uh, I receive phone calls from numerous people just saying, "You have our support. We, be- we believe in you, and we believe that the work that you do is important." And and uh, we we realize that uh, you know we're always going to have problems. We're going to have to change a few of our policies in terms of who we bring on now because of this situation, just for certain individuals and certain things. Because we, we, we can't continue to have this happen and we have to make sure that people are sincere about this work, So, uh, but the unfortunate piece is is when you don't have enough funding to hire people and have them work eight hours a day mm-hmm. and you ask them to work part-time, then that leaves room for them to do other things. But you do have to make a decision and some people say, well, you know what? I work part-time and I still never stole anything. Mm-hmm. I still never sold drugs. But some people come from that background, and yeah. it's so tempting. So we, we also have to figure out how to get people on the payroll full-time, how to give them benefits, how to give them all the stuff that they need so they can be successful.
0: So are you a mentoring program, or what do you?
4: We're a little bit of everything. So, okay. so you know, we'll bring a person from the streets in or from uh, being incarcerated, and then we will teach them how to give back. Okay. A lot of times people, uh, I go to the jails on a weekly basis and I go to the juvenile jails on a weekly basis and, and and they never know the message of what it takes to be a real man you know mm-hmm. some yeah, like some, that. some men grow up being and we call it the theory is a chicken or eagle so some men run around being chickens all their lives until somebody tells them what an eagle is really like and we teach them that an ego is something that is very proud and very distinguished and, and very uh, responsible for what goes on into the community. And so when we see a 30- or 40-year-old man say, man, no man has ever poured into me like that, and we're able to say, well, what's next? When you get out, here's what's next. You come to me, I get you trained, I show you how to give back. And, and um, you know, 99% maybe on that rate, too well.
0: Really, it's that's that,
4: astounding. It's that one percent that, that you know. You just well, you they have a mindset. Yeah. Man, you're yeah. doing
6: better than the Catholic Church. <laughs> doing better than anybody. <laughs> My wife's Catholic, so I can say that. Well, <laughs>
4: you know, I'll tell you, it's it's important though because. Uh, when I was just having a conversation with a lady at the front desk, and she was saying we got to forget about the past, so we can move on in the future when it comes to race relations and race and, and the you know the history of slavery and all that. And, and I told her that's kind of impossible. If you don't know your history, how can you move? to the future, right. you you don't know your history, and I, I remember in school I was just taught about Columbus, I was just taught about all that stuff, and I never was taught about my own history, mm-hmm. and now I'm learning in it, which is which is uh, and thanks to uh, DNA, I've even met some of my brothers and sisters that I never met. So, you never met them. Yeah. That's so amazing. so so you know, uh, I, I lived fifty years without my uh, mom, my biological mom, and she showed up in my life three years ago. Oh she's my now, God. She's wow. now eighty six. And so, you know, my mom is telling me stuff that I never knew, never heard, Um, you know, and just found out the reason why I have cataracts is because of her. And the reason why. Now you know who to
0: blame.
4: The reason why my knees (laughs) hurt is because hers hurt. She's (laughs) moving around at 86, though, so
6: you got that going for her. She's
4: she's still moving around. And and, uh, I think it's important that the history is so critical and so important. And, and I believe yeah. that we have to know that and I think a lot of people want us to forget about it but we haven't caught up and we do have to catch up and things have gotten better and you know, I mean look at me now, I'm sitting at the table with a bunch of white folks, I feel good, right? And it's he's a not, family and, not, and he's not
6: really white, he's passing,
4: he's he's passing. passing. Yeah. So, I'm very
5: passing so, so
4: you know I think that that's critical stuff and I think that uh, a lot of our men still need help not, the reason why I go into the jail for free is because I realize they have a lot of Bible studies, and but I wanted to give them study how to study to be a man. How do you do that? And and so, I appreciate all the ministers and preachers that go in, and I'm a minister too. But I wanted to teach them how to be men. They don't know how to do that. And they're, they're a little humble about it. They're afraid to say that. They're like, nobody's really taught me. People mm. taught me how to steal. People taught me how to rob. Right. People taught me how to sell drugs. But there was never that man there to teach me what it means to be free and responsible. And that's, so that's, that's, that's one of my goals.
2: Really great. should be everybody's goal. And yet, and other people, and, 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 as a white guy in America today, I wish that, that certain white people would Indeed. back off and stop pretending they're experts on this. Oh, I know what they should do. And I... I People. We we just talked to a bunch of friends. As a matter of fact, and we had a bunch of people over on uh, on Sunday for dinner.
0: Are you familiar with Boulder Options? Yes,
4: yes, uh, Daryl yes. Thompson. That's my buddy, Daryl. My buddy. Yeah, Daryl, yeah he over. was over on Sunday. Yeah, Daryl yeah. came over. Oh, he's a good man. Bunch yes, good
0: he's a very good
4: guy.
2: Uh, and we were just talking. We had twenty-five people at our house. Pretty much, you know, half, what half women, half men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, about I guess. 20, 30% of the people there were black. Everybody got along phenomenally, had never met one another.
0: And nobody yeah. broke anything for a change. Well, I was double, so proud. Double, <laughs> double. <laughs> but, for once. But we were
2: talking about the fact <laughs>
0: nothing was broken. And this is one thing we should have
2: probably mad dads for white people, too, because they mm-hmm. do not understand treating, treating someone worse or better because of their skin color is racist. They yes. don't get that. They, oh, if I treat them better, then... I, no, you, you think the only way V.J. can get through is if Tom helps you. Well, that's wrong, 100% wrong. That is a little condescending. It is. Yeah, don't you yeah. think? Just a bit. <laughs> but that's what they think. They, they think, that oh, yeah. Look, the fact that you showed up today is great because people will learn that everyone can get along. We, we were, I, I told everybody after the dinner, we kind of gathered around and as, as they were leaving, I said, do me a favor and please go out and tell everybody... How this went. Everybody got along. It was a wonderful time. We were laughing about everything. And I won't use the man's name, but you'd know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so he said he told me one time when, when his, his son was a professional athlete. He said I'll never forget this man. You the day he was drafted, you said Oh, great, another big slow white guy. He goes White? Not white. said. <laughs> so I called him the next day and he answers me and goes Hello, and he goes. Is this a big, slow, white guy? And he goes, no, this is a black daddy. (laughs) It's having fun like that. We can deal with all of this, all these calls. Catherine came from from Golden Valley. Mm -hmm. I came from North Minneapolis. I was around a lot of people when I first came out of the neighborhood. like, what the hell is your deal? Because of the way I am. There are still people in the television and newspaper business that don't like me because I'm so urban. You know, and right. that's not to say black ladies, you know, I'm not saying I'm black. It's an urban thing. And they don't like that. You know, they pretend, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. But it's the second they can take it, I suppose because I am white, they think they can take shots at me and call me, which is fine.
4: Good. And, you know, one of the things I want to say, too, is that a lot of the media outlets, uh, when this happened, called me and said, why don't you just call me when something good's happened? I don't even want to deal with this. Good. And I thought that was very, wow. very, I appreciated that. It is. You know, because I think that's important. There's a lot of great things that go on in North Minneapolis. Yeah. And we're constantly telling the kids, you know, they say, "Well, how come the news is not here? We got 300 black kids doing great things, teenagers, and nobody's here to cover it." And I say, "You know, it's something that we have to change the narrative. Sometimes we have to be our own media outlet, and sometimes we just post it on Facebook, do whatever we can to right. let the community know that we are doing good things. And we know when you it bleeds, it when it bleeds, it leads. Okay, so what? But also, when it's blessed, it's the best."
2: <laughs> like That's a that. minister talking right yeah. there. Like <laughs> That's, a <good> motto. <laughs> That's a minister talking right. Now, VJ, I would love to go out with you guys uh, and, and just walk. You, basically, you kind of spend some time walking around the community. You go to different places. You go to, What I'd like to do, if we could possibly do it, is get everybody together. We can go on tour of the 43 houses I lived in in North Minneapolis. What do you think? Okay. <laughs> I just we cover let's, every block, man. <laughs>
4: let's, let's do it, and let's reach out to all those houses and make a difference because I'm sure there's some people that need somebody to reach out to them, and I think that would be yeah. great. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we do, uh, we ride the buses to keep them safe. We've been mm-hmm. doing that for almost 15 years now. And we, we invented that. We invented that ability called the Peace Bus. And we found out that crime was was rising. People were afraid. Some of the buses go through the gang territories, and right, people were right. afraid to do that. And so uh, we got a partnership with Metro Transit, and we said, we think we can really help out. We reduced crime that first year 38%. Yeah. Of, and nobody has ever been shot, stabbed, or beat down while we were on the bus. Because simply, we intervene. We make things better. We can see mm-hmm. when something's getting hot. We can see when somebody's beginning to approach In a negative way and calm that down, because we understand what it's like. The other piece we found out that people ride the bus just like they ride the train when they're angry, frustrated, and upset. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So they say, you know what? Right. Get get the hell out of here. And you say, I sure will, and I'll get on the bus with that heat and with that energy and that negativity. And you need somebody to come to you and say, you know what? It's going to be okay. What are you looking for? A job? Are you looking for housing? Are you looking for treatment? Here's some things that can help you. That's why you can reduce the crime. It's not because you stand there and say, you're not going to do anything while we're here. No. We stand there and we have compassion because we've been there. That's the difference from hiring somebody to, um, to do a job because they have a master's degree, but hire them because they know how to deal with the people that they serve. And so sometimes you have to take a chance because you have to go through something. You know, I come out of organized crime in Kansas City. That's what I came out of. I was was brought into it. The people around me told me I'd be good at it. And so nobody told me to go to college. Nobody told me to go to a trade school. They told me to be involved in guns, gangs, and drugs. And it was until I went on the run and, and, and I, you know, joined a church and, change my life around and seeing that i could change people's lives it was changing a whole neighborhood in oklahoma city and and going to the bus stop and realizing and coming back to minnesota on the Grand bus and realizing when that whole all those families came with gifts and presents to say thank you i said wow this i'm supposed to be a hope dealer that's when I found that.
2: <laughs> not a dope hope. dealer. Yeah, that sounds like Muhammad Ali. Now,
4: yeah, okay. <laughs> I went from being a minister to Muhammad Ali. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm
2: but that's I'm when not I... a dope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. Oh, but that's when I found out. Oh yeah, we'll take a very quick break. Okay, that. sorry, right. we'll be right back. Okay, in just a couple minutes more with VJ. VJ, you're doing a hell of a job. Thank you're you, familiar. sir. Thank you. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common?
1: Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems.
2: Never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender.
1: Thanks, friend.
2: And you are? (laughs) Real nice. Chuck Nabla. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck (laughs) Nabla. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me. And it's not just me. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK.
3: Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for
5: both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Why are you reminding me that she's dead? Way to go. I'm sorry.
0: It's Aretha.
4: I
2: hate that. I loved Aretha.
4: You know, the tribute is going to be tomorrow night at Crooners.
2: Yeah, that's right. And my brother works there, as a matter of fact. Are my you brother, coming? My brother Troy. Tomorrow night? No, no, I'm going to be in Red Wing.
4: Taking my auntie. I'm going to be out of town.
2: Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll oh, be fun. a good time. That'll be a good time. Um, we're talking to VJ's man. We're talking about Mad Dads. Mad Dads is a great organization. Uh, wh- you know, you, you brought this up. Oh, I should mention one thing. How smart VJ is, because I got here. And I'm sitting down in my usual chair for people who aren't watching this on YouTube or whatever. This is how smart VJ is. He's not sitting by me. He's sitting between Catherine and Alex. <laughs> Good move, VJ. <laughs> what? I don't get it. I don't
0: get
2: it either. Well, you want to sit by decent people, not by ah, me. Oh, man, you that's get
4: it. Like <laughs> it. Ah, yes, oh, yes, yes. are so well, great it. people uh, yeah. to sit by, that's for sure. <laughs> we.
2: So you grew up in Kansas City?
4: I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. I was. Um, separated from my family at nine years old i was in foster homes most of the time and and then uh i was recruited into organized crime and where uh i did that for many years at what and then, age uh, well right after high school so they allowed okay. me to graduate from high school and then you know i was off to the off to the races and i did that for many years and then um i got into a little deeper trouble than i should have so i left kansas city and and I came to Minnesota. And then in Minnesota, I, I uh, attempted to try to go on the right track, but uh, because of so much skills that I had, uh, people were kind of interested. like, hey, you know how to do that? And I got right back into it.
2: Oh, yeah. And
4: then um, I lived that lifestyle for a while, and I was actually uh, one of the DJs on KMOJ, VJ the DJ, Late Night Love. And so I would do a late night show. And in 1987, I ended up going on the run because... Uh, I couldn't live both lives, and so there was a lot of stuff going on. But I came back after after that stint. I came back and decided that I wanted to be on the streets giving back to the community at whatever cost.
2: Which is great.
4: And and I worked for Northwest Airlines for a while. Then I worked for Archie Givens, which is one of the, yeah. one of the first African Americans to own property in Minnetonka and Eden Prairie and all those places. His dad, and I worked for him, and while I was doing that, working for him, I started Mad Dads, and so for five years I worked for him, and then on weekends and nights I worked the streets.
0: Oh, so you founded the organization?
4: I founded oh, okay. the Minneapolis chapter okay. of the organization. It started in Omaha, Nebraska in, 1980, uh, in 19, 1989. I started in 1998. They started in
2: 1989 okay. in the Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. yeah, that works. That absolutely works. Um yeah, that's one thing about North Minneapolis. People don't really understand the history of it either. Like uh, the Estes family. You know, oh, Fred, yeah. Frederick's running it now, but Estes was the first black-owned business in the state of Minnesota. Wow. Really oh, You didn't know that? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, it was the first black-owned business in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, people don't realize this. After World War II and when Berlin fell, Minneapolis was the most racist and anti-Semitic city in the world. Not just the United States, in the world. Wow. And,
4: you know, it's... They don't tell you that in school. (laughs) Yeah,
2: they don't bring that part up, do they? (laughs) But, yeah, I grew up with it, and it was, uh, you know, it's really amazing. I I never, my whole life, I've never been in an argument with a black person. No fighting, no argument. I just don't. And it wasn't like I was trying to avoid it. They were trying to avoid it. It just didn't happen. Wow. So I don't.
0: I've seen some heated disagreements between you and Philip.
2: Well, Philip, <laughs> Philip Wise. Yeah. Well, Philip disagrees with argues, everyone. He, he
0: argues with everybody. He can't avoid it. He
2: argues with everybody. But <laughs> I, I just I wish people would calm down with this whole we gotta we gotta do everything we can to, to to make people rise up. No, get out of the way. Do they understand that yet? It's just look, just get out of the way. Because since I was a little boy, I just talked about this because Don Fraser just died. And I remember thirty-three years ago, Don Fraser was the mayor of Minneapolis, and Mm -hmm. uh, and Anthony Boza was the uh, Tony Boza was the chief of police. Uh, And I said on the air, "There's a there's a gang problem coming in Minneapolis and Saint Paul." This was in 1988, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Said there's a so yeah, just a year before you know you started it. I was part of the
4: problem. Yeah, you were part of the problem. That's
2: right, VJ. You were part of the problem. I, uh, but I said to Tony Boza and Don Fraser on the air, I said, you're going to have to do something about the gangs that are that are coming about and sprouting up in North Minneapolis. And, and Tony Boza said, there aren't any gangs. I said, yeah, there are, man. I don't know why you want to deny this, but you better do something about it. Yeah. And they said, no, they wouldn't They wouldn't even admit there were gangs.
0: They don't leave their offices and go walking around on the streets. That's the Which problem. they should. Has yeah.
2: anybody ever walked the streets with you from the police department?
4: Yeah, we have uh, we have a couple of really uh, intelligent and bright African American young officers that just came mm-hmm. on board this year, and they love to be out in the community with us. We got bike cops for kids; they're out in the community doing stuff, and so we have we have a real partnership, not only with them but with the sheriff's department, and because we're trying to recruit, I believe that we want a better police force. You need to have more people that look like us and in the neighborhood, you know, because that's that's important because they understand the neighborhood, they grew up in it, and they can relate to the kids yep. because you don't look at everybody as a gang banger or a drug dealer. Right. Some kids pants hang because they don't have a belt, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just that nobody's <laughs> buying them a belt. Right. Belts wear out, you know, and you need to. I mean, it's it's interesting how, you know, uh, so many of our kids. Uh, when I'm in, in the jails talking to the young kids, and, and they tell me three things are the reasons why they're in jail: one, they think nobody cares; two, they have to have provide resources and money because mom can't do it alone; and three is because um, they know that they're not going to live long, so they might as well do anything and everything because yeah. they don't mm, think they're going to leave. Sad. And so when you have when you have a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old and 16-year-old talking like that. Um, I, I, the one thing I teach them about and it helps out cause I tell the parents that I've teach them, there's a difference between criminal values and family values. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have family values, you, there's no room to be a criminal. Now, if you're from a crime family, they right. all go together. Right. But if you're from a family that, that believes that you do the right thing, if you earn a living, you're going to be okay. If you, if you go by the law, you're going to be fine. Those are family values. Right. If you have criminal values, then you're not going by those rules, and you don't care about your future. And once they learn that, it, it clicks. They go, man, I, I don't have family values, but I love my family. You keep saying you love your mom. You keep saying you love your dad. You keep saying you love your little brother and sister. When I see you with them, I see the love. But you're not putting that into a family value. And so right. I, I believe it's big on teaching those family values, and some parents don't know how to teach it because they didn't yeah. get it. Yep. They didn't get it. You know, if you're taught to slap your kid or beat your kid down when they do something wrong or if you've been taught to smoke weed with your kid or have a drink with your kid because that will happen with you, that's not the way to do it. Right.
0: What are some solutions? Um, You know, I mean, you're taking kids that are already in a bad way and helping them. How do we as people, communities, governments, or whatever, help? this problem before it starts I mean is there something do you know yeah there
4: is a there's a way to do it and right now what what seems to be happening people that do this well and are good at it we have to fight each other for resources, which is so unfair. I've been at the Capitol. I just did my first bill. I'm excited because I don't. I can't afford a lobbyist, so I learned how to. <laughs> I learned how to be one, right? And so I did my first bill. I'm running around. The lobbyists are giving me their cards. Man, I can't afford you, but I got my first bill. It didn't pass, but I learned a lot. Okay. That there there's pots of money that are going all over the state. Mm-hmm. But it, it trickles down to where all of a sudden the people that do this well are fighting over five thousand dollar grants and but there the people there's people that are getting a million a half a million dollars that are taking that money but it's trickling down we, we've got to get ahead of that we've got to be have have we got to have staff and we've got to have the a team of people that can do this because we can do it we know what to do for our community okay. but you have to bring the resources you know I'll give you a perfect example you know and I, I think that. Tragedy happens in the white community. They put a Facebook up and you get a million dollars. Uh, we have somebody just needs a, a little bit of help. We put a Facebook post up and nothing barely happens. And so we have to we also we have to be able to try to figure out how to get resources ourselves, but we also have to have compassion so we're all one village. We're not separate. We're not a separate village. And so we have that right now where we're still so separate that the, the funds don't trickle down. Right now I need administration staff, right? Um, when you talk about in order for me to do the work I need to do, I need administration staff. I need some critical things. And I've always been talking about it, but people would say to me, no, E.G., you stay out in the streets. You're doing a great job. Well, I can't really do a great job if I don't have the capacity. Right. So you have to build capacity. And so what people can do is get behind us. And help us get what we need, really help us get what we need and, and stop pitting us against each other, having us fight against each other for kibbles and bits when there's a big loaf of bread out there yeah. that could be sliced up and given out. So we're we know how to solve our problem. We've been studied to death, we've been researched to death. Mm-hmm. There's all kind of studies and research and matter of fact. Some of the best programs the government has funded and said, well, you know, we're tired of funding that. We'll fund something else.
0: We're tired of it?
4: They will do that. Oh. I mean, they won't say it, but that's what <laughs> happens, right? And and uh, for instance, we had a fathering program. We were bringing in 100 fathers a week to make them better dads. That program is no longer around now. And Why is that program no longer around? Because uh, the funding, the fathering movement is not as valued in the state of Minnesota as it used to be. And you ask anybody that's working in the fathering movement, they'll tell you, yep, yeah, those important. dollars dried up. So if fathers, we can't touch fathers' lives, what do they do? They go back to what they used to do. They're not getting nurtured. They're not getting poured into. Right. So then incarceration goes up. Now, that means that somebody else – so somebody said, wait a minute, we're losing money by helping out the fathers in incarceration and all kind of other places that makes money, so we need to change some things. And I, You know, I mean, it's changed, and it's changed all around the country where that fathering movement is not as strong as it used to be because it does tap into the incarceration movement.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. Well, B.J. just said is absolutely true because growing up you know, in North Minneapolis, my father was institutionalized when I was 10 – I like saying this <laughs> But I was then set upon by people in the neighborhood, uh, 10, 12, 14 years old, 16 years old. You know, hey, man, you should come into our family because, you know, our family really cares for you. They care about you. And, you know, you make some money in the family? So I know exactly what you're talking about. It, they, they use that, your dad's gone, so we're going to be your dad now. Mm-hmm. And you get some money for doing it. No, you're going to end up committing crimes like there's no tomorrow. But the family element of this, what you're talking about, is absolutely the most important thing in mm-hmm. the world. I was lucky. When my dad was gone, my mother was a very strong woman. And my brother-in-law, Pat O'Brien, I love him anyway. but he, He's no longer with us, but Pat O'Brien, he was half Puerto Rican. I love that Pat <laughs> O'Brien. But, you know, my sisters, my mother, Pat O'Brien, my, my brother was in Vietnam at the time. But I was lucky because I had yeah. people in my family stepped up and said, no, we're not going to do that. We won't be doing that. You won't be joining any gangs or anything else like that. So I was very lucky there. Another thing that happened, and I think this is very important, and I think all dads need to do this. When I was a kid, uh, hanging out with my friends, Mr. Laurent, Mr. O'Brien, you know, Pat's dad, uh, uh, Mr. Fisher, these fathers all came to me and put their arm around my shoulder and said, Tom, you're, you're a smart kid. You'll be fine. You'll be okay. And them caring about me was huge for me. So what you're doing... It is really, really big for these kids,
4: well, you know what's interesting I was when I was selling drugs I was a there's a Rock Mars, a friend of mine he got killed because uh, somebody robbed him and killed him, but he was a very successful drug dealer. And he had apartment buildings and everything in Minneapolis, and I kept saying, You know what, you should go to college, you're smart enough to do all this. you should get an education and he looked at me and said, "Why don't you do it? I don't want to do it." <laughs> And that was the first time anybody in my life had ever said, why don't you go to school? And I was like, wow. And so I went down, you know, I said, you know what? I did graduate from high school. So I went down to the University of Minnesota. I had my briefcase. I put my suit on. I was excited. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go to the University of Minnesota. Ooh, there I, you go. I went down there, and a the guy uh, from the multicultural office came to me, and he says, I hear you want to go to the college. And I said, yeah. He said, well, we're going to take you down to... You're, you're rather old. You're 38 years old, and you haven't been to school in a long time. I'm going to drive you down to MCTC. That might be a better fit for you. Yeah. And I said, no, I want to go to the U. I want to go to the best school in the state of Minnesota. He said, well, let me take you down here because it's going to be better for you. So my first class was learn how to study. I didn't realize I didn't get credits for it, but that was my first class, and I was so glad I took it. I didn't know how to study. I graduated from high school in 1971. I had no idea on how to go to school. And I ended up being a leader in there. I was the president of a student, uh, student association. I was the president of the Heroes Club. I became the first African-American student senate president at uh m c Minneapolis you're a born Community college yeah so <laughs> so I mean it just goes to show that if you're around the right people and you're doing the right things that that you can truly be blessed and and I, and I you know I learned how to the biggest thing was being homeless and learning how to do it out because money used to be kind of my God, but once I realized I didn't have any money when I was homeless i I worked for a a temporary service in Oklahoma City, and I made twenty one dollars a day, I worked nine hours a day. Uh, and I saved $5 a day for lunch and transportation, and I saved um, like $15 a day just to save it up every day. And then I learned the value of not having money, and it helped me now. So I don't, money's not important anymore. Yeah, I agree it's not as that. important as saving somebody's life, it's not as important as being there for my family, it's not as important. As being an example. And, you know, my legacy now will not be what it used to be. It'll be totally different now. And I'm thankful that I can teach others how to sacrifice so that you can be better and be what God has called you to be.
2: I like it. We'll take another very quick break. We'll be right back more. One of my favorites of all time, Jimmy BJ Hendricks. Smith. Oh yeah, Jimmy Hendrix. BJ Man Smith in studio with us, ladies and gentlemen. Mad Dads. Um, Mad Dads. Is
4: it? It's not strictly in North Minneapolis. It's throughout the city, isn't it? Yeah, it's throughout. We we work all over the city. We and you know we'll go we'll go wherever we called in the city of Minneapolis and even St. Paul, because we believe that you know people need help and a lot of times people are. Uh, We believe that one thing we early on believed in is that no matter who needs help, whether we get funded or not, we're going to help. You know, we get a lot of calls for people that just want direction, like, I don't know what to do. And we'll stop and take time to help them no matter where they live because... Uh, a lot of people don't know how to communicate and how to talk to others sure. and they just need some direction they're frustrated they've lost somebody in their family or they got a kid that is that's went the wrong direction they don't know what to do and so we'll do that and we'll show up wherever wherever we're called to show up you know, if we're asked to be there, we'll be there. And I know regardless of resources, we still – and I've been told to say no more. you got to say no more. So let me say <laughs> that do, right now. I if do. I say no, it's because I'm being told to.
0: Are you seeing new challenges with the heroin on the streets?
4: Yeah, you know, and one of the challenges we're seeing is, uh, is the, the families, how they're impacted. You know, somebody tries drug for the first time or shoots heroin for the first time or uh, there was a young man that walked up to me, and I'll tell this story because it really affects me. Um, He's a pimp, and I'm a hope dealer, okay? We worked in the same neighborhood. And one day, one of his prostitutes said, you got to get me out of this. And... I got her out, got her in treatment and saved her. So me and him have a little joke. So when I see him, I say, when are you going to come work for me? And he always says, when are you going to come work for me, right? And last time I seen him, which was a few weeks ago, I said, hey, man, you got a job for me? And he, he says, I need to really seriously talk to you. He says, I've been shooting heroin all this time. And he says, I'm afraid to stop shooting it because my bones are going to ache and he says I'd rather die than have that pain oh. and so after all these years he's decided that he wants to go into treatment and he wants to turn his life around and so so you know the heroin epidemic and so many families that I know there there uh, what's it like when you say when you say well how'd your dad die and you say well he died in the Burger King bathroom
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. or he died
4: in the Super America bathroom or he died in you know I mean how does a kid how do you help a kid heal from that how do you help a mother or grandmother or wife come back from that and so Heron has taken so many of our people along with you know opioids and what they're doing to our community. You know because the doctors will write you a script and you'll you'll be just fine. You'll be floating on, cloud now and they discontinue it, and then you go to the streets and you get something that was a little bit too strong for you, yeah. and then you end up dead. You're a good person, but yeah, we you just had just,
0: a good friend who lost his daughter. Yeah, so uh, it's just horrible.
4: So so you know the epidemic is um, is has been constant <coughs> in our community. But we we have to get ahead of it by how do we help people with pain? Because you're getting high because you got pain. You're getting high because what's been done to you. You're getting high because of some things that you haven't dealt with. And so we're trying to get people to heal. Even our leaders don't get a chance to heal. I was just thinking about how many bodies I've seen, how many people called me, you need to get here, my baby's dying. And how many times I have to show up for that, and how many times in my mind uh. I see pictures. Sometimes I lay there and I see hundreds and hundreds mm. of babies and teenagers and old people. And I, I remember I, I went to a, because um, I also was a chaplain, so I went to a home where an elderly man had died making a bowl of cereal for his eight-year-old grandson. and But I was the first person there. He was still laying on the ground, and the boy says, "When do I get my cereal?" So I went in the kitchen to get his cereal, and and I was just the guy had it in his hand. I was like, and I made him a bowl of cereal, you know, and he was saying thank you, and the rest of the family were beating them holes in the wall and going crazy, but this little boy was like, is. Grandpa gonna keep making syrup for me every day. That was the thing he did. Couldn't process how do, it. How do you how do you heal this kind of stuff? And that's all this stuff that happens. You know, when you see all this stuff in your mind, how do you deal with it? And so I've been working on trying to get healing for leaders because we have to pretend like we're cool. Yeah. And some days we're not. You know, yeah. I've seen so many that. Sometime I prefer if you don't call me because I don't. It just goes in my memory. I don't. But I'll come if you ask me. But I don't chase an ambulance or any of that stuff. I, but I will help a family. But I prefer not to see as many bodies anymore because mm. it, it does something Traumatic. to your psyche. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's some of the stuff that we, the opioid stuff is serious. The heroin epidemic is serious. And they were just talking about two people that died just recently in St. Paul. That uh, there's a batch of heroin that is so, so strong. That people are just dying.
6: Yeah, it's like five, mm-hmm. on Saturday,
4: yeah, five on Saturday. Yeah, oh, five on Saturday. And so, kidding. and okay. there's a lot of overdoses. And, and thank God to the technology and the stuff that people are using. There'd be so many more if it wasn't for that uh, the new methadone yeah. and all that other stuff yeah. that yeah. that they, that new drug mm-hmm. that they can put. Oh,
3: oh Narcan. Oh, yeah. Narcan. Yeah. yeah,
4: Narcan. If it wasn't for that, man, it'd be amazing. Now you don't even know how many people on Chicago and Franklin overdose. On Lake Street overdose, mm-hmm. downtown overdose, and that K two that they're smoking now. Right. Oh man, that is that is mentally distorting so many people. Yeah, it, it is. is it's. I, there was a guy in my office, and he he smokes K two, and I, he says, "I'm fine, man. I smoke a little K 2 But I could tell he was not fine. Mm-hmm. We were not having a normal conversation. We were having a psychedelic conversation. I was wow. I was like, wow, your brain is shot.
2: because there was only one of him and eight of you. Yeah. Wait a minute. He's seeing everybody. It, it's, uh, what, do you go out, uh, when you do go out and walk the neighborhoods, what nights do you do that?
4: Well, here's, here's what we did. We created a uh, programming in our community that's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. We have a partnership with uh, Phillips West to do Lake Street all the way to Bloomington and back. And then we have a partnership with downtown to to reduce a lot of stuff that's going on downtown between 8 and midnight. Yeah, and um, that's a we, mess. We, we just really go down there. And then we have a partnership with Theater Trust because uh, the people that want to go to the theater were pretty, you know. And so we're down there now to make it safe for them so they can come in and go to the theater. So what we had to do, and then we, you know, we go where we're called to North Minneapolis, and we're always in the, in the jails and, and on the buses. So we kind of, we have staff that cover all those areas. And, and then we do a thing called Outreach Explosion where we just hit, we go for about 12 hours straight, just hit all the neighborhoods and reach out and bring sandwiches and talk to people and sign them up for programs and services. And and that's something that we try to do at least twice a year. But, um you know right now in north minneapolis you know we got the you got the high end and the low end and all that there's clicks and the more of the younger kids that are getting into it and then we've got we've got our somalian kids that are that are really Uh, They're starting up their own gangs, and and then you still got the stuff coming from Chicago and Detroit, and you got all those folks coming up, you know, Mm -hmm. all those gangs. But you got these younger kids that that have a whole different way of looking, and and most of them tell me their biggest problem, there's not one man in their life that loves on them and teaches them how to be a man.
2: Yeah, I think that's very true. It, it does make a big difference. And like I said, you know, my brother was gone. My father was gone. Pat O'Brien stepped up, and he, he, he was a big influence on me. My mother, was she was an amazing person. Yeah, She he was unbelievable. Worked at Merwin Drugstore as a, 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 a waitress in the fountain. Worked down on Plymouth and Emerson at the old Kilroy's Cafe. It was long before your time, I'm sure. But
4: I used to eat, eat breakfast at Merwin's when they used to have a restaurant there. Yeah, it was my, I loved my, that my place.
2: Mother, my mother was one of the servers there. Was that your mom?
4: Mm-hmm. So I used to tip her well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's really good news.
4: I so when
2: I come along with you, what, what do you like? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do?
4: Well, first, I just want you to be able to experience what it's like uh, to be in a neighborhood and see some of the pain that is in our community, but also some of the joy that's in our community and mm-hmm. some of the success and to be able to visualize that from a different standpoint other than um, just being able to hear about it and read about it, but just be right on the block and see people and how they respond to us and how they react when they see us. You know, it was interesting when the article came out and everything, I was, I had my head down just a little bit because I take pride in the work we do and I believe that we, what we do is real. But man, we had officers pull over, we had people tell me they want to join right away we had folks excited about the organization the response was overwhelming in a positive way matter of fact we haven't we haven't had one negative positive negative response from anyone and so we were so thankful you know so when I brought my head up I said okay well, we're all right. right you know because the one thing that I never want to do in life is is let let the children down that believe in our work and uh, the parents that we've helped so much and I, I don't want to let them down by being something that is not real. We're a real organization. We love the people. We work hard. We sacrifice. You know, I get paid for eight hours a day and I work 16 most days because I really found out this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, in, back in the days, I took away a lot. You know, and one of the stories I tell people all the time, the reason why I don't sell drugs or do any of that anymore is there was a family that came to my house, six kids and a mother and they knocked on the door, and they said, "Our husband, my dad, their dad, the husband has left. And but he used to come to you all the time to get drugs. And we just wanted, could you, since he's no longer around, could you buy us some groceries?"
3: Oh,
4: oh. I bought groceries for that family, and then I realized that you know that, that I've got to stop doing this. This is not good for the community. It's not good for me, and it's not something that I'm called to do.
2: There's a, uh, what was it, when I was a little boy living, there was a synagogue on L- Logan just south of Plymouth Avenue. And it's now a church. And the, the head minister there, God, I, I wish I, I was over there a couple of years. She called me a couple of years ago and said, would you come over to a service? And she's about five feet tall at the most. But I wouldn't want to fight her, I'll tell you that. <laughs> she was tough as hell. But one of the most touching things I saw when I was down there, they would go out and round up homeless people didn't matter what color they were what you know gender they were none of it none of it mattered and as i was sitting there the one thing they did ask them is if, if you, you know you're going to do this we would like to, to have you come and take communion you don't have to worry about it you don't have to you know just come and take communion some of those people white people black people whatever would start crying like it was known because somebody actually cared enough to come and get them and say, "Hey, you know, you need, to, you need to have at least an hour or two away from all this. It meant so much to them, and watching that was amazing. It was just great. And as I left that day, everybody at the church gave me a big hug, said just thanks for coming by. And so hopefully they do that. I'm sure they do that with you too, don't they?
4: Yeah, all the, all the time, you know, we, we get lots of accolades. And what I love is taking a broken man, putting a green shirt on him, sending him out in the streets for people to start patting him on the back and saying, thank you, thank you guys for what you do. And they're looking like I didn't do anything. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. but just I remember a little bit of support. I remember once we we were going around up to liquor stores and I had a new guy that just came on and a lady walked up to him and said, here's my house keys. Would you guys help me move my stuff? And he had never, nobody had ever came to him and gave him a key. He, he was, that was his first day. And he, he immediately ran up to me and said, this lady gave me a key to the house and said, have the mad dads coming. And his thought was, well, we'll come and take everything out of your house. Right. Cause he, he's just formally out of incarceration. He don't know. That's right, the way he thinks right, as a criminal. Right. But it was good that he thought, and I can't had her come over and said, he's a new man, that he doesn't know what to do and you know we're not going to be able to do that for you, but here's your key back. But that kind of stuff is what can happen. People believe in the uniform, just like they believe in an officer when they see in the uniform. And uh they believe in us to know that we'll do the right thing to help you do what you have to do. And we can take a man and give him some pride. He says, Man, nobody ever said thank you for anything until I joined Mad Dads. Nobody's ever thanked me for anything. And so we wanna to continue to keep our legacy on so people can thank us for the work we do. We get a lot of that and we've got a number of awards. Matter of fact, uh we were uh I remember early on we were asked to be uh security for Jesse Jackson. Uh, we also were asked for Al Sharpton to be uh, security for him, so we've done a lot of stuff in the community to make it make a difference, and we just want to continue to do it.
2: Okay. You're amazing, there's no doubt about it, VJ Smith, ladies and gentlemen. So you'll be reaching out to me. We'll tee something up. I'm yeah. gonna be out of town this weekend. We don't actually. I'll be baby. Well, Catherine, I'll be babysitting for Alex's babies. Okay, which will be a good thing. But yeah, I do want to get out there. I just like the fact that we had a conversation today, and not one person. Uh, you know, made this sad face or is like, oh, the, I feel so sorry for you people. I hate that so much when people... You know, uh, get on TV. You're getting to. Do, oh, I feel so sorry for. You. Don't tell people you feel sorry for them. Get the hell out of the like way. Again, w- Wolf place. Blitzer at Katrina. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> right. Oh yeah sir. they're so poor and they're so black. <laughs> what? Remember when he said that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with you?
7: I was like, wait a minute. I had to. I had to pause when I heard that.
0: Like, you know, the you the just say that? Went,
6: <laughs> Stick to the script, yeah, say, Just say, stick oh, to uh, the script.
2: DJ, it's really nice God. you to come by. It's great to see you again. I'm Thank glad you. that uh, this bump in the road out of the way I'll come out now I want to talk, and I, I, I'll call you and get you booked on the morning show too because I'd like you to come in okay. the segment oh that'd be great I, 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 I'll close with this
4: I won't uh, get to set with these beautiful ladies but that's well. alright well,
2: I, I can bring them along can you bring them you along know, okay. <laughs> I, I could definitely bring them along but I, I, I was told when I was a little boy over and over and over again going to St. Joseph's which is no longer It's where the bridge crosses over Plymouth Avenue for 94 now that's where St. Joseph's church used to be I went to school there, and then I went to Saint Anne's up on Queen in, uh, in Twenty Sixth. But when I was a little boy, I, was, I kept hearing, "Oh man, they're going to do so much for the north side. It's going to be unbelievable. We're all coming in." Nineteen sixty-five. I was, you know, thirteen, whatever. Whoa, we're going to pour a lot of money into the north side and the south side. You know, it's going to be unbelievable. All these years later, nothing. Yeah, nothing. They don't ever do what they say they're going to do, and that has to change. Well, well it t- did rip down the projects, though. Those they were burned t- down, well, down the projects. And it's much <laughs> Let's nicer. Let's be now. honest. About it's that. much
6: nicer than it used to be. I yes, was down is.
2: there watching it burn. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a different... No, in nineteen, in yeah, nineteen sixty-eight uh detroit was burning
6: no i know minneapolis was but i'm talking yeah, about the late 70s the projects are on. oh you're talking
2: about the old Bryant Ford project Bryant. yeah, yeah, those, yeah. That that Bryant project. it's called
4: heritage park now yeah
2: and
6: it's <laughs> not it's nice nicer houses than
2: most people live in <laughs> right, those yeah. houses are gorgeous yeah. but yeah i love the fact that you were actually going to do something and and help people out it's really terrific to see you again i'll reach out to you very soon when i get back Next week, we'll get this teed up. And I we got to get over to that church again. I can't remember the name of the church, but we'll get it. It's right, there, just like I said, just south of Plymouth Avenue on Logan Avenue. Okay. The, I assume she's still there. You'd love to meet her. She's
4: wonderful. I'd like to meet her. And people can go to my website, too, www.minneapolismaddads.org. And if you feel like you want to make a contribution to the work we do, we sure would love to have you.
2: You're a good man. Thanks very much, sir. Thank you, sir. We'll be back. Walls are unloaded. It's just car selling
7: secrets. Oh
6: my god.
5: Yeah. Too
7: long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
5: baby. <laughs> Mom claimed that Alex and I both had whooping cough when we were kids. It was croup.
0: It was croup. Croup, whoop. It all sounds the same to me. Okay, we have the first,
2: uh, first of all time, ladies and gentlemen. Doug already told me to shut up. So. No, I did not. <laughs> Why
0: Thank don't god you
6: introduce our guest? You know well, him very Bob, well. Bob, how
2: long ago did we meet? Got a lot. I of was time. new on the union board, so it's got to be about 23, 23, 23 years, 24 God. years. Yeah, I, I've always had such a great time with the whole thing. We had a very quick explanation for new listeners. I grew up in a family that had cops and criminals in it, which, as you find out, <laughs> is rather common. <laughs> you know, it really is. Uh, the old neighborhood and stuff. Uh, there was a very key figure back about twenty three years. ago. I was talking to him, you know, and, and his brother couldn't stay out of jail. And he was one; he was a big shot cop, and his brother could not stay out of prison. That's wow. just how. I mean, it's kind of how it was, how it is. So do you go out to Stillwater a lot, Bob? Or uh, nope, well, no? Well, no. My
7: mom, I'm the last of six, and she said that the worst one that I raised became the cop. So. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Okay, it's kind of a tradition before we start the interview.
7: We always have
6: our guests tell the story about the first car that they ever owned. And if it's a boring story, just
7: lie and make something. No, it's uh, now owned because according to my older brother, my mom and dad gave me a 69 Buick LeSabre. But if that's not true, and he's my favorite, and my mom even says it's not true, he used it from time to time. My first car I owned, I just got out of the Army basic training in MP school, and I bought a four-door uh, two-tone blue seventy-eight Plymouth Horizon.
6: <laughs> so you what ooh, I could ooh, afford on the you,
7: <laughs>
6: you were trying, really you were trying to
7: retain your virginity.
6: Wow.
0: It
2: was way late for that, Doug.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: All right, so is it too early to ask if I can form a death squad? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go
6: ahead.
2: <laughs> no, I I just uh, Bob, I tell a story quite often, living on, on Plymouth Avenue, growing up as a kid. I'm, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old. I would leave Bryant Plymouth, which is, we lived at 914 14th Avenue North, and I would walk downtown to go see a movie at 10 years old. I'd walk downtown, go to the movie, and walk back home. And the movie was a quarter, by the way. So, oh What does that tell you? You're old Nobody ever bothered <laughs> me. Ever. No did, one did ever even Did you tip the thought. piano player? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. No, I, nobody, I was never bothered. Not one time walking downtown, walking on Hennepin Avenue, walking down Plymouth Avenue. No one ever bothered me because the parents in my neighborhood would never have allowed it. And that was black kids, white kids, Mexican kids. It was all of us. We were all in it together. Nobody ever battled. I went to St. Joseph's. No, no, I think I saw one fight where Benny Crushon got hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat. So it was a pretty severe fight. But, you know, <clears throat> it was one of those deals.
0: Yeah, you saw um, more domestic violence than anything else.
2: A lot of domestic violence, yeah. There was a lot of that back in the old days. But, but Bob, I tell you, honestly, I really, really miss that neighborhood i grew up in supposedly the worst neighborhood in the state of minnesota but i just loved it yeah there was a lot of like when i'd be out on a say a sunday morning i'd sit out in the front step could i wake up a little early and then all the hookers and strippers would come home with their mascara running from crying and like oh god is that depressing it was incredibly depressing ah the good old days it was though i learned
7: that uh, that hits complete home because very similar to you. I grew up in the east side of St. Paul. Oh, and right yeah, now yeah. in St. Paul, that's where we're having all the trouble. And in fact, just last night, my sister texted me saying they had a a, a party at OBS Bar for and now yeah, my sister sure. is, is sixty in her sixties, and uh, there's a party there for one of the ladies, and the couple walked out and they got robbed in the parking lot of Ob's God. Bar. And so right away I text uh, back, yo, oh, that pisses me off when it's in our backyard because yeah. I love to walk out when that happened. You know they feigned that they had a gun, they didn't, and you know they gave over their stuff and took off. But now if you don't not familiar with Ob, that's the St. Paul cop hangout. They eat there on duty, right. off duty. So right, right in the mm. in our backyard and literally right where we grew up because it was this, it was the same thing for us in the East Side. To see it happen there, to see it happen in Minneapolis for those of us that love. The neighborhoods like you and I that we grew up in—it's yep. tough to see.
6: I've got an East Side story for you. This is back in the early '90s. I'm playing at the Mounds Park Lounge. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is where the professional alcoholics in. There were no beginners in there. <laughs> in the middle of the second set, I look up and a guy had just passed out, fallen backwards out of his bar stool, and it was a stand-up Franks. Died. Yeah, baby. <laughs> the guy died right there. Oh, he died. So we oh my. stopped playing. And the bartender well, and says, "What the f are you doing? Start playing!" It's like
0: the guy just he's dead. Yeah, can we have a keep moment of silence for
6: him, right? baby? My, my brother
7: was in that bar one night, and he told me he saw another guy making the guy dance, shooting at his feet with a gun. Oh, God.
2: Jesus! What? <laughs> you know, why don't I have fun like that anymore? <laughs> well, playing a band. Well, <laughs> yeah, many, many playing years a band. Going. Yeah, I can wow, get that going. That'd be that'd be a nice touch right incredible. there. Incredible. But
5: the difference today, I think, is I was down in nashville doing some work and i was Love talking and, uh, me too and i was uh. talking in front of a group and we somehow gun control stuff came up and i said how many of you have firearms 80 percent had them in their car mm-hmm. the, nobody had firearms when we were i mean you no. just didn't worry about getting no. shot now you drive you know i'm driving back to the hotel someone cuts me off i'm like you know thinking i'm gonna get okay. shot if i do anything and today it's a different world you just assume people are packing you got right.
7: it right yeah it's yeah. all true that's
2: scary. Too it's often, not the right
7: scary. people packing. You know, I, we're, the, the cops are there they're for responsible citizens having concealed carry permits, um, but because there's so many other guns out there, and uh, we are, are, the, the police opinion is the only person that's going to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Um, that's kind of our <clears throat> philosophy. Everybody which a fact. Do the cops want gun control? No, they just want the right people to have them. I know, but you look at this. Uh, The Prime Minister of
5: New Zealand, when they had the shooting, it took Mm -hmm. a month and all the assault rifles were
2: gone. Yeah, but what's weird is so many more people get killed with handguns in the inner city than... Oh, yeah. Right. Well, like the mass really shootings
0: even, uh, that people would like to see stop. Most most of of
2: those see all are with of handguns, too. You know.
0: I mean, yeah, most just, of those are
2: handguns, too, actually.
0: Not in the school shootings and oh, such. Yeah. They are? That's
2: yeah. the last one was handguns a handgun. Handguns are
5: much easier yeah. to hide. Yeah. Santa Clarita. They're easier to maneuver indoors. The only reason to use a rifle is if you're shooting long distance, which in a school shooting you're probably not. So...
2: Do you That's think true. part of that is is uh, schools and parenting has changed so much now? And the reason I ask you that question is because I have a uh, permit to carry. I have many times in my life. We, I own six handguns. guns you do, but I found. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> See, they're easy. You to might conceal want the best. I know. They're really easy to conceal from you, apparently. Oh. No, but I found out, and I did not know this. But a Who listener to it? the KQ Morning Show told me, and 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 I, apparently it's true. That since I'm on medical THC to sleep, I cannot carry a gun anymore. I didn't know that. Is that true in Minneapolis? I would, Really. Uh, apparently it is.
7: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I. don't. Okay. That's that's the tr- well, The tough part with the THC laws it is, is yeah. what you know. When can you drive? When can you carry? Right. Um, but and, you
0: can drink.
7: Yeah, yeah, you, know, you drink can drink all you
0: want. Yeah, you can uh, <laughs> no, You can't Look no drink
7: and carry. You can't and than Philando Castile, and that yeah, one yeah. Did right. carry though. Can you? Said, no, right? No, so you correct. can't drink and not carry. That's supposed no. yeah.
5: You're not supposed. Yeah, to. Yeah. Well, right. you but, can't be drunk and carry, but you can like drink while still having a concealed carry license. Right. 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 That's but that's you just can't have a much lower limit, you know.
7: And then the police, if you have them, it's much even lower. It's even lower than that. Sure. Yeah. By policy, I would hope so. Yeah, it changes. But uh, no, but Castile had the he he was high, but he had the
2: permit, which invalidates the permits. So right, transit. it does, yeah, yeah. Ah. But see, for so for me, my whole life, if I carried a gun, nobody'd ever know. They'd never know if I was carrying a gun or not. But I don't because it's against the law. It's not about somebody finding out if I'm breaking the law. It's against the law. Don't do it. Well, why is, is that break so the hard? Aren't really the problem? <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard. My mother taught me. You'll obey the law, and that's just how it is. I got the laws in the house and the laws out there. You will obey the law. I, right from my mother. And I, to this day, because you know, when I take THC to sleep, I don't get high, I just go to sleep. So it's not like I get high on THC and they go, oh, I gotta go to bed. I just go to sleep. Right. And so you it would wake really up and inside you don't feel the effects. <clears throat> so. Don't feel the effects. So like I could have a gun on me right now and it's not an effect, but I don't because. So what
5: would be interesting though is it would be in your blood for some thirty days.
2: That's what they say. That's what right. the problem is. And so is. now
5: yeah. can you pack
2: a week mm-hmm. later and nope. so you're out for thirty days. You're out for as long as you're on medical THC, you can't carry gun at all. And I don't know what the threshold is. You can fly, fly an airplane. I'd like, I, what I want to get well, is like a machine gun mounted on the back of my car. Turret. i right get a turret out there. Just join open just you're army. You're not carrying right? You
6: know, if, you, if you were stoned, I don't think you'd be very effective with a weapon. Probably not. <laughs> Hang on
5: a second. Hey, look at that. Oh, I dropped thing thing it. Dude. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> well, amazing. Well, I think that's the problem is, which bad guy do I shoot? Because there's only one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. I could
0: see no, that being a problem. No, you're just too chill to care anymore. You're just like, I have a
6: question for you, Bob. So, uh, as a lot of people, but not everybody knows, during the president's last, they call them rallies, I guess, when he was in town a month or so Mm -hmm. ago, the mayor pulled something, and I tend to lean left a little bit, that I thought personally was kind of chicken shit. He told the cops that they couldn't wear their uniforms yeah, off I know, duty I know. so bob and his buddies got together and got these red shirts made up and of course this was I right, up, that, right up trump's alley he just <laughs> loved it and he got to meet him and go on stage with him and they called him out during the rally so tell right. us what that was i mean i'm not a big trump fan but i still think meeting the president of the united states has got to be a pretty cool
7: experience right and and i mean to to back up to how it transpired everybody saw what the mayor came out and said and right. I, no matter which your party lines are I think it's pretty foolish for a mayor to not invite and tell the standing sitting president he's not
2: welcome here. I agree.
7: It I agree. could be only a matter of time, and we've had it with tornadoes, with bridge collapses in Minneapolis, where you may need federal assistance and funding. And why would you ever do that? I just thought I it was agree. irresponsible. And then, in addition, in, in other times, um, not only have our members been you know, um, um, encouraged, they were ordered to be behind presidents Mm -hmm. when they were democrats so i thought hypocrisy so as we as we do i got a good buddy that's a retired lieutenant was on the was on the federation board with me rob goodsell and he does he's in t-shirts now so we're in a bar meeting our chicago counterparts in our motorcycle club halfway to wisconsin we drew this shirt up on a bar napkin that night (laughs) and we thought it was going to be similar to when betsy hodges called me a jackass and we'd sell about a hundred of them but what happened was the president caught on to that. He tweeted it out, and this just took off. And I mean, how many thousands it, of shirts we've of sold? You sell? Well over five thousand. <laughs> I mean. the, the nice part the mayor's not going to like is it goes to our charitable arm. And Uh-oh. we're going to be pumping it into programs that are near and dear to the citizens, <laughs> and po- political politicians' hearts in Minneapolis. So wonderful! We're going to do some high-profile donations to things, and they're they're going to go now. We want to hate these guys, and look what they're doing now. So, yeah. so what was Phase it like to Phase two is going to come, you, but meeting the... him back to meeting him um, again. Don't believe the media. Him, the vice president, his son Eric. I had the honor to meet all of them. And them and everyone on their entire staff were the nicest people. They were, um, it, it, everyone said to us, you know, law enforcement is very important to the president, it's very important to this administration. Uh, we want you to know how much you mean to them and, and honestly, um, we we did pictures with the VP who was a great guy. Um, his son Eric on, had been boring. texting me you can say it he's a little boring <laughs> <laughs> well, he, lo- he loved the I was with cops he loved them and um, Indiana. I'm in line Indiana. to me- meet the president same thing outside and when I came into view there were ten or you know eight ten people in line or ten or twelve anyway in line and when I came into view he just stops his photo and meet them. he goes there's my guy and points wow. at me, and it was so it was really incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to him, and he goes, Hey, I'm going to bring you up on stage. And and uh, I actually had uh, I talked during the the pre rally, the pre program, so it was amazing. I, I was a nervous wreck, um, going up on stage in front of it's that only was only 20,000 people. Wow. And, yeah. and I've been in and out of the, the target there. center a lot over my years on duty and off, and it, it was truly the most energy I've ever felt inside that place. It was mm-hmm. it was crazy, but it nicest people. Uh, everybody was on his staff was very respectful. He was very accommodating. So
2: don't believe the media. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, well we good never good do.
2: Deal. No, we do not believe well, the media. Back to you true. being
0: called a jackass. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why did, why
7: did
0: Betsy Hodges yeah. call
2: you a jackass? I don't
7: remember what it was that oh. time. That you know, time. I, oh! Uh, you know, yeah. She I'm, was I'm a piece of work, her, though. Right? Was she wearing but,
2: her headdress when she called I, you that? She, she loved to wear yeah. that headdress. I did see that. that?
7: But the, the funny part for me, for when being the Federation president was watching, Betsy Hodges, Janae Harto, and the Assistant Chief Chris Arneson all not get along and just self destruct. So it was. <laughs> that did it happen. Was, yeah. uh, it, it truly happened, and the department hasn't been happier. I, I say um, I went from working under the worst chief to the best chief. In, in I've heard quick. a lot
6: of cops say
0: that. Well,
7: that's good. That quick. Yeah, really. Thank God,
0: there's some improvements. I
7: worked under a lot, and and uh, Rondo, to me, and my eyes, from my position in federation role, and seeing his vision for the department, he's been the best. There's and he's no... been
6: on the force for what he, thirty years. He or came on
7: six months after me. Yeah, yeah. We never, and we never worked together. He was a Northside cop. Bob, we're to take a, a quick
6: cop. break. We're going to be right back, and with more cars selling secrets, which is really has nothing to do with cars today, but it's really interesting.
2: Police cars. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK.
3: Offer good for a limited
5: time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael.
1: Always a pleasure to be with you, Tommy.
6: selling secrets Bob. Well, i've got a question for you i'm not a minnesota native but i've lived here since i was 12 so i'm close and i drove cab in the city in the late 70s through the early 80s not a great safe time they had just invented crack in the neighborhood oh, south God. of uh, 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 uh. lake street around chicago fourth uh, all the way down to Cedar, where it was terrible down there and i know that there's some uh controversy about how crime rates get reported but would is it worse now than it was back in the 70s or is it better or is it different
7: it, it's tough to say um you, you know the reporting is one thing everything you do it generates a case number so there's obviously higher reporting that way and what it goes but i can from my own personal experience the area you mentioned my first five years were basically a, a mile radius from where 35w and um, lake street intersect so basically i you know th- three years in the fifth precinct other side of 35 WD side is a is, uh, third precinct. And I, when I moved precincts, I moved right on the, under the bridge. That mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. So, but in that era, it was all that was when the crack wave really hit. I was there 89, it was 89 to 95 and working there. And looking at that area now, it's, it's much, much better. Than yeah, it was. Than it's it was changed before. dramatically. There were crack houses like crazy. We used to do SWAT raids of fifty a month drug oh, raids, geez. and now they'd be lucky to do they'd be lucky to do ten a month, and that was common. So the crack wave kind of came and went. And the area in the fifth precinct has gotten really nice. There, they've dumped a lot of money into housing and stuff. And even the third precinct is better.
6: Are they going to open up a nickel again and get rid of Kmart? Because I was in that time. That's okay. when they put it no. up.
7: Yeah, I, I don't know. It. I don't know about that but but the crime it's in that respect it's down and then we had of the late 90s we had murder Apples, where we approached oh, right a hundred yeah. homicides in a year and right now we're sitting at about 40 so we're getting a lot more shootings though and that's what's really unreported the report is aggravated assaults and truly there I say there's three things that are keeping the the murder rate from being triple digits and hospital's it's, one of them? It, it, well, exactly. EMS, yeah. EMS, the advanced EMS, they're bringing people back from the dead at HCMC yep. and North Memorial. Oh, yeah. And then the paramedics oh, on the scene do a wonderful job, too. That's the yep. biggie. And then, too, the, we are talking about concealed carry. They're using small caliber handguns. It's very small. And they're lousy shots. Those are the, your three big factors in my Thank thing. God. Every night we get a person shot. Just oh, yeah. basically every night there's someone on the watch yeah. commander. The yeah. Wall, yeah. You'll see non-life-threatening injury uncooperative victim um that's your standard standard so they had it coming (laughs) well well, (laughs) the sad part is that the the, the north side is the busy is where you're getting your shootings and then downtown yeah you Mm -hmm. know and if you go downtown for entertainment you were hitting on that time and and you're you got to be out of there by 10 o'clock or you're taking your life in your hands so why
0: does it seem to like me that nobody seems to give a rap about this that that the politicians just don't care if you they, say something
7: you put your life at risk they, they don't and when you hire and unanimously select a chief of police and he lays out a plan for 400 more officers yes. over the course of the next five years and right now you're struggling if you <clears throat> should give them 14 more or not right now they they think in this in this city that the politicians know more by being elected about what's needed for law enforcement because i mentioned you know the chief and i see eye to eye on many many things and the staffing level is one of them so
0: but okay so but what is the political upside for these people the politicians to not do anything.
7: My, my theory is they get in, they get elected by a very small number of votes. People don't vote in these city council races. No, they don't. More yeah. importantly, we've got 13 <laughs> council members, which is about the same that they have in San Francisco and things like that. In my opinion, we should reduce it to half and double the salary of these folks because most of them are community organizers, activists that have right. never had a real job. Right. And For them, this is a damn good job. They're coming on, and they're making what well, they're making. What our patrol officers make, roughly, you know, starting, and going so from what did, community hall to the patro-
6: uh, patrolman,
7: patrol person. They start make? to low, low to mid eighties a year, okay. and that's what the, that's what the city council is. And then what they gave them themselves a big raise, but it's a very good job when you include city benefits and things like that. And. And you—you've got this very just vocal to interrupt, You can make about
6: that selling cars at Walzer. And <laughs> each, we haven't yeah, had a shooting, and yeah, not years. dodge any bullets. You're, you're
5: going to have <laughs> some applications. <laughs> well, not very many. You're going to have bullets. some applications coming. He's going to start selling right,
7: cars, but we're seeing cops yeah. leave. We really are. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's the thing—is they're leaving. And truly, when you got this job, I went from the Postal Service to this, and from the East Side of Saint Paul, you get a civil service job. In my era, you made it, right? Yeah, yeah right. Right. Yep, And you—you yep. you never saw people leave. And that's what's disturbing, too, is we're seeing people leave and when you tested you had a thousand people apply for, you know, thirty positions. Wow. Now we're getting two hundred people or less apply for that same. Yeah, well nobody there's millennials don't want to get shot at either. No. No.
0: <laughs>
5: well, I mean just we don't. <coughs>
0: anybody would common first right. doesn't yeah. want to It's get too get shot risky. At.
5: Yeah. You know, when I was listening to it when I was a kid, I grew up in St. Louis Park and we Ooh, didn't have any big crimes. But <laughs> so <laughs> Officer Fitzgerald King, who took me home sixth grade, Rosa. seventh grade, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh and twelfth, same cop. But nobody ever got – for this is like smoking dope – but nobody ever went to a station. There was nothing. I mean, it was sort of right, policed in your right. neighborhood. Yes. Yep. The guy took – literally, I rode my bike. He followed us home, made you knock on the door, tell your parents what you did. And then you were disciplined by – I was far more fearful
7: of my dad than I was of Officer Fitzgerald. Very much like myself, yes. You never wanted to get brought home by the police. Oh, so. no. Oh, no, no, no. no, no that, that would not no, be No, but that's so. – I mean, there was, you know, today it's – not the parents anyone's afraid of, no exactly but uh, to your point Catherine, that that's the to me the council if you reduced if you reduce the number of them and increase what they made, you'd have more responsible people more successful people with business minds that want to run the city the right way right now they're pandering to a small local group that they feel gets them elected and they're they're not serving the citizens as a whole but the
0: communities no. are suffering
7: yeah, exactly, are. exactly. It's and not you just if you go a to North of Minneapolis, people in your old neighborhood tom you and you talk to your average black resident they love the police they want to have more they do absolutely Uh, they They want to have more of them our guys are getting coffee bought for them they're getting say hey you know again don't believe what the media is saying that kind of thing so no they but the voter turnout is very low i know but so can
5: i can't name you one of my council, no people I mean, I, other they, than if they I drove by a sign in a yard, a police but I, don't, agenda. Yeah. I don't know anybody How on the council. Five. Five. And, five, five, and
1: they've got yeah.
6: 13 council members?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a lot <clears throat> for it no seems reason. It's like you should have five. Here, here's one question I wanted to ask, and, and you know, if you, I, here's what I don't understand. Now, I talked to a lot of people I grew up with. A lot of those people are black that I grew up with, and they, they, they here's their problem. What you see on TV is that black people are shooting people. But it's black people they're shooting. Yes. Now, here's the problem we have. Are they ever going to step up and protect black people in their neighborhoods? Because if you're not, that's kind of racist, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's it's, right. It's racist as hell, and no one cares. No, no. I just you're, don't get it.
7: Your, our average shooting I was just talking about is, you know, black male suspect, black yep. male victim, non-life-threatening yep. wound, and, and that's it. And, yep. And those are the people that are getting hurt, and those are the people that want more police protection. They do. And then the other part of that is, is they've gotten to, they've gotten into depolicing so much. Where when I was a young cop, listen, you stopped everything that moved, and you're getting, you're, are you profiling? Well, if you got a tail light out, it's a legal stop. Are you stopping your little arrests lead to big arrests? You're in, doing that. You're taking these guns off the street that isn't going on anymore because the cops don't want to be called all the isms you're stopping me because i am yeah and they're like is it easier to drive past this violation and stay out of trouble or be accused of this that and the other thing and so there's a lot of there's a lot of deep policing going on and it's encouraged they you know we i used to make a a million traffic stops but i've given one DWI and 12 speeding tickets in 30 years but got a lot of guns out of there in the meantime and a lot of people mm-hmm. warrants for their arrest mm-hmm. so it's a fishing expedition that's really the, the fishing has gotten really limited which is a bad part you
6: everybody. never worked around the caboos, apparently
2: <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, a great spot right <laughs> the perfect spot to arrest people actually no doubt
5: well I'm, how much of that really goes on where you hang by a uh,
7: caboose or if you go down you know no, we we don't even have a traffic division anymore, and I've never been a proponent of traffic enforcement. You know, <laughs> what? We, we don't we don't have a tra- We used to have a forty person traffic division where they were out there to do speeding tickets, DWIs, and and that was it. Oh, keep yep. the road safe and for the citizens. Right, right. Oh. Who does it If you're a hit and run victim down there, good luck to you because you're going to get a case number, go file oh with your insurance company, and you compare that to the sub- suburbs around us. That's just second-class treatment. You can't treat your people that way. You know these things, and, and that's the problem. And that's where the chief's vision for more cops. That's what they would be doing. A
0: vision. You know. that's nice. So what's
5: the relationship between the highway patrol and the police?
7: Actually, very good now. It you know there's, you know, believe it or not, our cops get DWIs. They come. I represent them when they do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the only you know one of the few jobs where if you do. Get arrested, you suffer the consequences at work. Also, you go through the regular mm-hmm. stuff, and then you're, hey, I'm suspended, and I can't drive, and I'm transferred or I'm demoted. Those types of things happen. So, um, but, but you know, people of this generation, the, the millennials, are a lot more responsible when Uber use and stuff like that. So, the troopers have a pretty good. It's been an up and down relationship over the years, but it's pretty good. If they get a chase and then comes into the city, and the guys bail, you know, they're they rely on us for help a lot because their backup is a lot so w-
5: what it, are, So you see them everywhere between the police, so who governs 394? Is it local or is it governed Three, by the highway patrol?
7: 394 is, is the state patrol, yeah. So yeah. where does the highway patrol be- basically, the, the freeways and state highways is their thing. They See, Bob, go, what's going on state, here? Just go so go you anywhere.
6: know, he owns a Porsche, and he's just
7: trying <laughs> to figure <laughs> out right. where he can go. Where move.
6: can I speak? Yeah. Just so right. probably <laughs> 2 a.m. in Lake Street, if you can just light them <laughs> right. up, How's baby. How's that Sane Lane? Can I
0: don't I, think anybody on the yeah. Sane Lane? Not in Bloomington. What's
2: amazing <laughs> to speak. me is, looking back now, going to St. Joseph's School over there, at, uh, it was on 11th and 4th. It's now where the... There's a bridge across Plymouth Avenue where St. Joseph's used to be back in the day, right? And this just, just occurred to me, just now, sitting here listening to you talk about this. When I was a little boy going to that school, the Minneapolis police would come in and once in a while just check on everybody in the school, everybody at St. Joseph's, St. Anne's, all the public schools, all the rest of it. And we had a guy named Officer Savanich. Remember, Officer Savanich. I, I don't remember, but I remember. You the, remember like the name, don't down you? From him, for sure. I will tell you something. Officer Savanich would go to every kid in North Minneapolis, and I mean every one of them, and say, "Look, we care about you. We want you to be safe. The co- I want you to know that the Minneapolis Police Department cares about you." A lot of these kids didn't have parents. You know, dad's gone, mom's at home, like me. My dad was gone, but he, Officer Savanich, every time I would see him, he'd go, "Tom, we really do care about you." It was wonderful. Can the cops even do that anymore? They they do have the SROs, and that's something that they
7: actually the council wanted to get rid of too. And of to course they did, because now oh they're God. they're calling this the the gateway to what was it the gateway to prison or something like that. That with cops in the schools, and I had this
4: I had this <laughs> argument with man. them. I says, listen, it, it,
7: it was I'm missing the term gateway to something, but the pathway to prison. That's what it was by having cops in schools. And I said, you realize that. The cops that are in those schools as SROs, they want to be there, and they're yes. there to yep. serve as mentors. We get a lot of our good police candidates out of there because they're recruiting when they're young to come, yep. They come to the police department. They want to be there. Their heartfelt, their hearts are in it. If you get the street cops that's been rolling around in a squad car and has to get dispatched to that fight at that high school yeah. – Guess what? They're going to come, they're going to take the two and book them and be off. Yep. Where you go to an SRO's office, he knows the kids, he knows yeah, you know. yeah. It's, it's the best investment you can make in the police department. We haven't had they're, those they're, in high school. They want to be
5: and Out in Rogers. So it's all yeah. over the place. Yeah. But, yeah.
7: No, that's a, it's a yeah. thing that needs to stay. There used to be more of. They re- reduced them. Houghton
6: Rogers, was it to cut down on all the cattle rustling? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. Yeah. I know what
2: exactly. Assaulting he was
7: animals. There for, but...
0: Assaulting yeah. animals. We had, one, nice. we had one gang fight. We did?
6: You did? You, you, did? Did? you had, you had one
0: a gang, gang
2: fight? At Rogers?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. They brought in a bunch of students that got kicked out of Brooklyn Center High School and of brought course. them to Rogers. Of course they, course
2: thank you. Gee, thanks for bringing them out. We appreciate <laughs> right. it. Immensely. That's well, a great we need, idea.
0: Because we needed more diversity. Diversity.
2: Mm. Why did you need more so, diversity? Bring the so white Dwight kids, Dwight had, out there in we Rogers. Had, we
0: literally had <laughs> two half-black students in our <laughs> whole
2: school. Well, that equals a whole.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one hole.
2: That was it. You know, that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that actually, because when Officer Savanich would come to Saint Joseph's. There were black students, Mexican students. The only, the only people that we didn't really have in North Minneapolis were Asians. They just there weren't that many Asians in, in Minnesota anyway, and we didn't have any. But the copper w- would go the from copper. kid to kid. Well, they the that, that never was from, take me a lot. That Thank was from from Lamont <laughs> Dean, my, my my cousin who was a uh, Hennepin County deputy sheriff and a Minneapolis cop for many years. But he would Officer Savanich would talk to Benny who was a black kid. Loved him. Uh, you get on the list of the Morales family. He would go to every kid and say, we do care about you. Doesn't matter your skin color. did doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. It didn't matter at all. And this was in supposedly one of the most racist times in America's history in the 1950s and 60s. I, why? What happened to that? Why yeah. did they let that go? Yeah, I don't know. They're... They're still there doing that. Um, God,
7: it's wonderful. They, they move around. But these guys, he stayed for many years. I think it was Ed Savanich, wasn't that? S- yeah, uh, God, that's amazing. Officer yep.
2: Savanich, God, uh, that's been a few years, Bob. Legendary. Yeah, yeah I told you I got a great memory because 20 years ago plus, but nothing but yesterday <laughs> Not or the, about the week yes prior. prior.
6: we got to take a quick break we and we'll be back with our final segment. God, of the final segment of the already.
2: Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months. Start the new year looking great and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with help from my friends at Ultimate, powered by Nutrimost. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, you'll receive 20 to 30% off all programs with Ultimate's New Year's resolution sale. Do what I did and let Dan and Neil Sheehy and the staff at Ultimate help you change your relationship with food forever.
6: Is this the new one from Mario
2: Speedwagon? No.
0: Only
4: can sing this.
0: The <laughs> new one.
2: I wanted to play some Polish punk, uh, polka there for uh, there Officers Zamanich, of but you <laughs> Couldn't was, find it. That any. was
6: the old joke in the '70s about the longest bridge in the world.
2: Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Africa to Poland. <laughs> yep, I remember <laughs> many times. Northeast, as a kid.
6: Northeast has changed so much in the last 15 years. Oh, it has. Years. Absolutely. Oh, it sure it has. Has.
2: It has indeed. It's the kind old. of like
6: what Uptown was in the '80s. It's where all the young kids, because yeah. they could, you know, they used to be able to afford to live in Uptown, and till us older people discovered it, and now they're up in the northeast side.
2: Yeah, so. that's true. It's been a great conversation you guys are having. I'm really glad you did this, Dougie. Yeah, it's fun. I really having
6: fun trying to book interesting people for this uh, show. If you could just stay well, off the mic a little bit about all politicians are assholes. We might be able to encourage a couple more. I to come didn't in. say all. I just I'm said Still 99. working on the governor. 9%. I haven't given up on him yet. Oh, the
2: governor, Tim Walz? Yeah, Yeah, we'll see. Well, it'd be interesting to have on. I asked Ryan Winkler to come on and talk about the marijuana thing, the recreational marijuana. I'm surprised he didn't call from. you
6: back because I talked to him at, right after he was on. Uh, for those of uh, the listeners that might not know, he was the... A majority speaker of the house in the minnesota legislature and, and works in uh, his precinct is it's not precinct district is golden valley so you actually they're really nice south job. golden valley yeah south golden valley <laughs> all the cool people live yeah we're all cool people. So what,
5: what is the i mean what's the issue with recreational weed in minnean or in minnesota and does the police
7: do they give a crap. Ryan Winkler's bringing it forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you don't want do to police it, do you? Trying to
6: figure out where he can smoke pot and yeah, drive his no, Porsche. It's been a long time.
7: <laughs> I'll drive fast. If
5: I if I were to light up, it would be the I'd get pulled yeah, I, over for going too slow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
7: exactly. I, I'm against it. And we we do what's called a DC fly-in and once a year. We meet with our with our um, Congress reps out there mm-hmm. and our and our senators, and uh, there's a very interesting expert on it out there, and you would never suspect it older black gentleman, and he explained this to all, not really old, my age, I guess, older, Just but... He's older and shift. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh my God. He explained this, and he said, before they jump into this, you need to look at the cost, and, and they need to look at Colorado. You think, everybody thinks, so we're going to generate all this tax revenue from it. And on the back end, you're spending more out for treatment programs, for oh, things yeah. like that. Um, and we talked about it a little bit, when you, you can't gauge, you know, if you're high and driving very easy what are the facts? Those types of things. You know, news channels have done things on it. But um, I would like for this guy to come and talk with our legislature before they do this because there's a lot of hidden costs that they don't realize that far surpass what they gain in tax benefits. Well, oh, that's um, interesting because all
0: it, you ever hear is that, you know,
7: big Colorado money, is right? just big rolling money.
0: in money. and Big money. Yeah,
7: And and we don't know the long-term effects down the line. You know, for if, if we're keeping right. everybody smoked in the 40s, right, yeah. 50s, Yeah um and then tell we hey lung cancer you know like smoking cigarettes causes cancer so but it's going to be okay to smoke marijuana i realize you can take it other ways and things like that but uh, there's health effects alcohol you know if but from
5: a police standpoint what i mean you don't want to be resting i mean it's a pain in the butt to take someone down who's got a quarter is, ounce of weed on reality them or is
7: right now the coppers are taking that and flushing it in the sewer on uh, they're okay. not they're it, those little things like that they're not is, they're, uh, they're pretty much uncle, the
6: other my uncle my wife's uncle was a St. Paul cop and he just wouldn't take it and take it home I'll tell you a funny
4: story I about him he's retired. so yeah he's, he's, I hope he's, retired.
6: Retired. <laughs> he's probably I'm guessing he's 70 or so so he was a Vietnam vet came back and he wanted to get into be a St. Paul cop but something happened and he had to wait seven years before he could apply. And so his older brother is in town and we're having this conversation and, and and my wife works at a church and says, You know, so Uncle Bruce, how come how come you had to wait so long? And his older brother goes, Yeah, it was a farming accident. And they didn't understand what he was saying. You had a pot farm out in Marine in the St. Croix. Ah, whoops.
2: <laughs> oh, God. A farming accident. <laughs> yeah. That's really really I, nice. I,
0: I, I don't know. I mean the whole it, the whole thing about recreational um, marijuana being passed is the good thing about it would be maybe we could get rid of these cartels that are killing yeah. people in other countries, you know, that are supplying oh, the no, US. Oh no, no,
2: they make them movie stars now. <laughs> El Chapo's wife is like a Isn't TV that star. Disgusting. That would be the
0: one one good <laughs> what? thing, but I don't believe I at until they can figure out how to test for it when people are driving.
7: So are you so are you sense. opposed to the uh, medical side, you know the medical side's out there already. Um, yeah. but I hey, to be honest, I've never been a pothead at all, so right. <laughs> I've we been can to it that. All. I just kind of see it as uh, it's dummy and down society for votes. That's the way I look at it, but maybe that's a closed point of view. Um, our our cops as a whole are not really in favor. They're not like the enforcing it, but I think a lot of them they think about their kids. Do they want? Do you want to walk down the street and have people? firing up all the time. It's, it's bad enough.
5: Um, like they have been yeah. in Manhattan
0: yeah. for the exactly. last 30 years. No, but I, w-
5: I mean, there's part of me that goes, I'd rather have my kids stoned than drunk. Um, really? Well, I mean, I, I don't want them driving either way, but I think we're at less risk, certainly, from smoking pot. Cell phones, in my world, are maybe more dangerous than... I would, oh, agree. Yeah. I would and agree. And yeah. so, yes. that's a...
7: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think as your general cop is... Mainly against it, but more uh, along indifferent to against it. I think if you
2: polled my members, oh. you know.
0: Interesting.
2: So I got to ask you a couple of questions. This is, this is all personal now. You don't mind if I take a personal? Do <laughs> don't what? ask about my wife. No, I'm not going to ask you about your wife. No, 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 no. I, I'm just. I, it just popped in my head being over at Mace back oh, in the yeah. day with the boys Tony Miranda and you keep get John Locke and you are on a. Where are all those guys now? Those well, I when, to John, up at the uh, they're all
7: in treatment. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: those were some good times. That was a, oh,
4: you, one of the God, favorite times
7: of my career. Federation in fact, I. I got a two o'clock board meeting today and a five thirty <laughs> membership meeting, and with those boys, the board meeting would be over about three or four, and then we go to Zerbies or Mayslaks, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. and then we come back and hold the membership meeting, and, and then we go back for more. And God, we used fun, to get together man. with Tom from time to time at Mayslaks. But oh, the man. Hammer, John Locke, um, I still hear from him all hey, the Hammer. time. Hey, good job, babe. Heard John on the radio. You know, he'll, he'll <laughs> yeah, he's the up. best. I, um, John's he, a great Northside well. And the truth told, I owe my job to these guys. Uh, John was a, he taught defensive tactics when I came on. I got in a little trouble in rookie school, maybe bar re- fight related. And he's like, he'd reached out, hey, forget you know this kid. He's one of our good guys, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> John, uh, he's still local. I hear from him a lot. Yeah, I ran um, into him about it too. Al Berryman's year. got three homes. He was Al Berryman's got three, <laughs> three homes. He was the old federation president, you know. But how do you he, get money for three in, homes? He's was the, the federation Zula. president, right? And he's down in Arizona. He's mainly in Arizona. And every time he comes oh, he? back in. Um, he gets a hold of us, Tony and I. Tony and is still local.
2: Ah, um, please, it's so next time those guys get together. For I sure, I would love to Tony. See him. He, I, well, I Tony's got Tony's great guy.
7: We'll make we'll make sure we get a hold of you because God, so Tony's fun. a wonderful guy. He was the nucleus of that federation for many years. Yeah, he was. Time yeah, he was there. absolutely. Um, when when Al comes to town, which is a few times a year, we always get together. Al, yeah, bear so. is May
0: Slack Is Mayslack still around? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. is it Tom a, still has garlic breath from it. hasn't he been there for twenty years. Oh,
5: out that's right by oh our my Federation
0: god he was, seriously he'd get out of his car and i could yeah, it was like oh he's been to mace Lags. i could smell the garlic no, it's, his breath it's, a, it's a, a hipster
6: hangout now oh it's is really, it really is it yeah. really oh, it's, it's, so is mm-hmm. is now. it's
7: grumpies. grumpy's is changed. Yep. It's grumpies and northeast has really gotten to turn into hipster stuff <laughs> oh, it it needs needs to be hipster, the real blue yeah. collar all yeah, around yeah. you could throw a rock
2: in any direction and walk to a bar out of my union office but uh one of my favorite things about being a teenage guy in North Minneapolis, you'd be up at Papa Joe's Northern or at the Broadway Bar, and you'd be sitting there, and the cops would come in. A couple of cops would come in, and they go, put them on the death," they put them on the table, and everybody take out a knife or a gun and put it <laughs> on the table, God. and they'd get whatever they were, like a pizza or a sandwich, mm-hmm. or whatever they were going to go to. All right, boys. They'd leave. Everybody take their gun, put it back in their <laughs> pocket. Probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> Hallecks up there. That, that oh, Alex! Oh, yeah. and
7: Murphy worked together forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did.
2: Uh, on the tax squad or SWAT guys, and yeah. I heard so many great stories. I, one of my favorite stories up there, and I'm sorry. I'll shut no, up. Go Athens, ahead. I promise.
7: I, I'm so not mad.
2: The boys get a call, and they they go up the Northside, and somebody's been shot to death.
5: Uh-huh. Right.
2: <laughs> Sarge comes in the room. and He goes everybody get the hell out of here because everybody was sitting around like in a in the family they're sitting around with a dead guy right and so there's a guy on the couch he's like sleeping he's like like that right and sarge goes what the hell did i tell you and the guy didn't respond he goes i said you gotta go and one of the other cops comes up and goes actually uh He's the victim. The bullet went in his mouth and came oh, out the back of his head. Oh, and the copper turns. and goes, "Okay, you can stay." <laughs> yeah. Was that was a
7: Sarge Lurch? Yes, Jerry, Lurch Larson. It
2: was indeed. You know, How did Jerry, you know Jerry that? Jerry
7: passed because he he, he he was did? on the board too. He passed. Oh. It'll be two years, I think, this spring. But there, oh, I'm this, sorry to hear I that. was thinking about him on the way on the way in this morning, knowing I was coming here. Because That's I, who it was. He was the vice it's president of the phenomenal. federation at the time, and he. This guy. I've been to Vegas many times. Times. and to this day the first time I was in Vegas was with him and it was the best time I ever had oh my god I left, god. He's I left dead. there after three days oh. and my face muscles were sore from laughing this guy had he had a line for everybody but he was a he was an icon he a four-way
2: a, stop I heard this from another cop uh <laughs> which pulls him over and, and he goes what are you stop me for? he goes because you, you rolled through the, the stop sign you didn't stop at a stop sign he goes well I slowed down <laughs> <laughs> Lurch goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get out of the car. I'm going to start beating the piss out of you. You can tell me to slow down or stop. <laughs> yeah, That's he awesome. was a classic. <laughs> he was great.
0: Why was he called Lurch? Did he look like Lurch he from the like, Adam? Right? He, yeah. he
2: looked like, like Lurch, finally. yeah.
7: Sounded like him. Sergeant, oh, Wonder, <laughs> Sergeant <laughs> Wonder. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sergeant Wonderful, baby. God, that Jerry work worked stories. hard and played hard and that was he, <laughs> that, did? Yes. he kept playing after he retired a little too hard. That was yeah, mm. he kinda shrunk down. Uh, I God. saw awesome. I saw him in the hospital before he passed. Oh, did you yeah. really? Yeah, he was God, he, he was, was a wonderful one. guy. He was Sergeant he Wonderful was. for a reason. Sergeant Wonderful for a reason. Another one, one. that say him
2: and Locke were two of the guys <clears throat> that were in D T that saved my Saved my hide as a rookie Locke <laughs> was another guy that if you were a citizen you probably didn't want to piss him off
7: no not no, that i no, can no. remember no. anyway <laughs>
2: like i guess he was a north side guy from up on sheridan i believe he grew up on sheridan avenue up there but yeah. yeah i mean bob the great memories and how we all got along and everybody like i said didn't matter race none of it mattered everybody got along everybody was fine so when i left that neighborhood actually you know it's 24, 25, whatever I was. And I went out in the real world and they were talking about, oh my God, race relations are terrible. I go, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. How are race relations terrible? Not where I grew up. It's the I, Norwegians and the Swedes. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Well, they actually do Irish hate one theater. another. That is true. <laughs> they do hate one another. But now, I, I tell you, because the cops in North Minneapolis yeah, understood interested. North Minneapolis, the firefighters, oh, everybody well, Rocco Forte. I, you know, I went to I went to St. Rocco was the the fire chief, and his older brother Michael and I were in the same class. At, at you know, his dad was an organ grinder. Did you know? That? <laughs> wow. Yes, his dad. Honestly, got Rocco Forte was a fire chief. His dad was an organ grinder. He had the big mustache and he had the thing with the monkey and the whole oh, deal. Wow. Nice Italian boy from North I Just think
6: that was a job once upon a time. Being an organ grinder yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, it was. Oh God, I gotta shut up because you only got a couple minutes.
6: No, keep going. No,
2: I I just, what I'm talking about is we had a relationship with the cops. The cops cared. We cared. And I never understood once I left my neighborhood, why did all this happen out here? Because back in our, the poorest neighborhood, the worst neighborhood in Minnesota, everybody gets along really well. It's just weird. The whole thing is just, it should have never happened. And I really wish they'd get their head out of their ass and let the cops do their job. That's all I'm saying. Before
7: we're off, I got to thank Doug for the relationship because the reason he reached out to me is they sponsor the Federation and our stuff. Mm-hmm. to The drive, yeah. Walzer yeah. does, and that's how we met. Um, one of our charitable alarms, we it, Walzer in conjunction with KSTP five. And it's on. It's going yeah. on right now. Our, <clears throat> yep, it's our coppers are in the Skyway in downtown collecting toys for kids. Now I got to
6: so. just be completely clear. We they dropped that last year. Oh, somebody geez. in our marketing department. I don't know who it was, but they, they dropped, dropped it. Uh, it's a long story. Oh, Could I... you arrest Paul for me? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Arrest but Paul Walls
0: for
7: no reason. no, I know. That's what we got did. Absolutely. It's a great, uh, so, it's, it's a great, so great it, charity. It continues on, but but thanks for and i didn't so know here's I'm, not sure to, I'm not the most somebody sure to came to
6: me and i won't <laughs> say who it was uh, a couple months ago and says hey that whole stuff to slay thing can you get us back in there again and so i called i know some people over at hubbard and they're like you know it, there's a different title sponsor and they're going to do it again this Uh-oh. year." And I was like, okay crap. well
7: oh. we're underway but i appreciate what you guys have done well thank you very much and for head. those
6: that don't know it's a toy drive that the uh Cops sponsor uh, toys for needy kids in the cities, and it's uh, it's really, really, it's a great thing. And it is that time of the year again.
0: Do they need to be new?
7: I think yeah. so, okay. yeah, yeah. This is how really so much which I know. Be, don't I be I I know. the cops are, some, are in trouble, these guys.
0: <laughs> no, there's some toy drives. So we're going to get rid of some toys before Christmas when we to get make room. toys. Yeah, and we don't have many toys anyway, but. I know there are some places that take used toys. Yeah, so
6: just... try the you know like the Main Streets of Edina. They're yeah, probably the streets of the Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I want to close right. with an Al Berriman story. My last thing. Okay. So uh, there was a copper many many years ago tried to save his wife from a car fire. Mm. Uh, she's in a van and it exploded and the and her husband the cop went in to save her, and he got severely mm. burned. Uh, we were down at. Um, Uh, the Nicollet Island Pavilion. Pavilion. They had had a fundraiser down there, remember that? And so they're raising funds, and Al Bearman comes up to me and goes, Tom, would you do me a favor because there's this really cool pistol, and if you could buy it, you know, because it would be really, really great. And I said, yeah, no problem at all. So it goes up, and the the pistol goes for like a few thousand dollars, probably even more than that. And I bought it. And then I gave it back to Al, and I said, "Well, just go ahead and auction it off again." He goes, "Yeah, I know." I said, "What do you mean you know?" He goes, "I knew you'd give it back. That's why I wanted to buy it." <laughs> wow. Thanks, Al. Thanks Al. It. Right.
7: Remember that Al had a way of <laughs> he, he had a way of raising charitable. Oh, funds. he was good at it. Yeah. Pictures in his office have been raffled every year after
3: year. <laughs> year after oh, yeah. year, raffled year after off.
2: After Never year. had to give them <laughs> up. Ah, <laughs> uh, Bob, thanks for coming in. Great to see you as oh, always. Pleasure. Thanks for always having me guys
6: Well, that wraps up episode. I think thirty two or three of yeah. Walters Car Selling Secrets. I, the podcast is not happening next week so all nope. the mm-hmm. listeners get a lucky week off.
2: <laughs> oh, you mean you, you don't have car selling secrets on Thanksgiving Day? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I would post the best of. No, well, the <laughs> best
6: of would be Tom's. That's the ones <laughs> that I get the most compliments
2: about. Yeah, that is true. It was a great thing. Thank you so much, Tom. How sweet of you to bring in. I mean, this is th- this nice. means the world to me. He brought in Gene Je- Shepard. So you him. like
6: that better than the shirt that no, Tom brought I, in? I was go-
0: it doesn't mean you, the world to you, him. You
2: know, once, <laughs> again, once again, I hope I want to thank him. Not not only go to thank him, but Doug has to piss all over it. So never mind. Goodbye. That's my my job. And we're out. That's my job.